let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nanoangstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant for you. Hate. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one sort of narrative or story-focused game and give our thoughts about them. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And this week, if you didn't guess it, we did a super special spooky Halloween episode on I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Um, and we got you there. That wasn't actually a supercomputer that destroyed Earth at the beginning. That was just nope. Duncan. That was me. I'm just really good at reading. You did a great job. Can I congratulate you on how well you handled the word nanoangstrom? I was very sure that was going to be where it broke, but you just flew right past it. I'm good looking job. at the timestamp currently at an audacity, and it's 20 minutes. Yeah, I would well, say about eight of those were spent trying to get me to pronounce nanoangstrom. Well, I mean, yeah, but you did really well once we got there, and Thank that's you. the important well, thing. Well, when I learned it sounded like a Harry Potter spell, I, I <laughs> dived right in. I was good after that. Uh, I d- yeah, I didn't even think about that. Nice job. That's, that's the real voice acting tip, is anything you don't know how to pronounce is a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> this is very true. Oh, so, all right. So, guess what? This game is the oldest game we've played on Thoughts from Player One. That's true. Release date, 1995. I was two years old. I was three years old. Wow. We were young, and this game is old. So it did come out on Steam on, I think, what, 2004 or something like that? Sure, something like that. But that doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. Um, So this game was developed by Cyber Dreams, Night Dive Studio, and the Dreamers Guild. The platforms it was released on, according to this very (laughs) official document we have, is computer. (laughs) It's like Mac, OA, you know, like PCs. It's everything. It was released on DOS. Yeah, probably. It was on everything. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's like, a PS1 version in the making, uh, and then it got canceled. Yeah, yeah, it got canceled. Uh, and you can pick it up right now on Steam or GOG for $6, at least on Steam. I don't know how much it's going for on It's GOG. on sale right now. It's on sale Ooh, right now. Halloween sale. It's Halloween. Go Halloween. Pick this, go pick up this game. It's very spooky. It's not don't, really spooky. Don't. Listen. Listen first. <laughs> listen <laughs> first. We'll get you the pitch. Um, here's yeah. the first thing to know before we say anything about the game, because we'll be mm-hmm. talking about this a lot. The game is based on a short story by, I think, Harlan Ellison. Hold on. Mm. That doesn't sound right. No. No, yeah, it's Harlan Ellison. I was right. Mm. Never mind. I'm great. Thank you. You are great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I had to reach over there and grab it. Um, If you don't want to play the game, feel free to go grab that short story or listen to it. There's, like, an audio version that's, like, an hour on YouTube. It is, I think, 13 pages. As a PDF. You can download it's the totally PDF. Free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just go check it out. That's the basis for this. They are very different things because one is a short story and one was a 1995 video game. So <laughs> yeah, they didn't translate perfectly. Yeah, not exactly. But I still think it's they're the same characters. So, all, well, kind well, of the same quotes. characters. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they have the same names, so you yeah, can get true. an idea. Uh, they have some similar characteristics, but we'll we'll get more into that later. Um, also, this is an adventure game from 1995. 
So mm-hmm. it's a point-and-click adventure game. There are a couple choices that we'll kind of have along the way. And listen, this is a point-and-click adventure game <laughs> from the 90s. It's really hard to control. It doesn't feel amazing. The puzzle mm-hmm. design sometimes is very frustrating. We decided that we wouldn't focus too much on the beginning here about that just because I don't think you want us to mainly just hear about us complaining about how hard point and click adventures games are for us. Yeah, I got uh, that so. on the dropsy, so we're fine. <laughs> well, that was a good point and click adventure game. And this whoa, one was, whoa, whoa. What are you trying well, to say about I have no mouth and I'm a scream? Well, I mean gameplay wise. I mean, dropsy makes a little bit more whoa, sense. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are Listen. you trying to say about dropsy? <laughs> fair, fair. So uh, Yeah. We're gonna yeah. I'm gonna deliver you a pitch here. So this is, you know, this is a spoiler-free thing for you. If you want to listen to this, play the game afterwards. Go for it. But, you know, you were warned. <laughs> That's all I'm saying with the gameplay. You were warned. So you play as the last five humans on Earth. They have been trapped inside of this master computer's belly for the last 109 years. The opening quote that I uh, I gave from the podcast is also the opening quote in uh, the video game. So, as you could hear, Am clearly has a pretty pretty hard disposition towards humans. I'd say so. He's not particularly thrilled with them, as it turns out. Yeah, he's not he's not amazed with them. And what you'll end up doing is playing one of each of the five characters, and Am has prepared a little game for each of them, in which they will kind of experience different worlds based on their character, their fears, their past, um, and they will be tested in a way. Am never really gives a solid reason as to why he's putting them through these games, but honestly, the opening uh, scene is all five of the characters in cages of different kinds of torturing ways, and I don't really think they have a choice. (laughs) So... That's Um, motivation enough, is he just kind of wants to fuck with them, as he has been for the last 109 years. Yeah, we should say here that AM, just capital A, capital M, was initially an acronym that stood for Allied Master Computer, um, Mm -hmm. because that was the name of the supercomputer. Um, But he kind of, uh, they speak about him masculine, and they actually make a point in the short story that they speak about him in the masculine, um, that he just sort of took that on as more of a name implying like he gained sentience, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, going along with the idea of like cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am. So he, you know, became a sentient computer. So he just took that on as his name, as opposed to like trying to go with something else or using it as an acronym. So when we refer to the supercomputer, we'll be referring to him as am because that's mm-hmm. how everyone talks about him. Yes, very much so. So, mm-hmm. um, there are uh, we 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 did go through the uh, the book as well, and the book plays obviously very differently than the game. Um, some would say it doesn't play at all. <laughs> yeah, some would say it's a book, and you can't plug a USB <laughs> controller in that. It doesn't take NES controllers. Come on, dumb dumb, take that out. It's a book. What are you, th- what are you doing? Why are you from Brooklyn? Come on, what are you doing with that USB? Take that out of there. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said, Duncan, the, the intro that he read was 
am describing his hatred for humans and the extent to it. Um, and I'm going to read a short clip from the um, short story here. I'm not going to do a voice because Am is not saying this in the short story, and thank mm-hmm. God for that. Um, <laughs> so I will just kind of explain this clip. This is the short story's explanation of why Am hates humans, and then a little bit about that. Uh, it's only about a paragraph here. So from the short story. Now I feel like I should do a voice. Should I no. do a voice? No. I okay, mean, good. You can, no, you can do like kind of a like – a, like, we had given am sent sent. <laughs> we had given am sentience, <laughs> inadvertently, of course, but no, sentience okay. nonetheless. Sentience. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll just read it out here. Um, so this is the backstory of am. So we had given am sentience inadvertently, of course, but sentience nonetheless. But it had been trapped. Am wasn't God; he was a machine. We had created him to think, but there was nothing it could do with that creativity. In rage, in frenzy, the machine had killed the human race, almost all of us, and it was still trapped. Am could not wander. Am could not wonder. Am could not belong. He could merely be. And so, with the innate loathing that all machines had always held for the weak, soft creatures who had built them, he had sought revenge. And in his paranoia, he had decided to reprive five of us for a personal, everlasting punishment that would never serve to diminish his hatred, that would keep that would merely keep him reminded, amused, proficient at hating man. Immortal, trapped, subject to any torment he could devise for us from the limitless miracles at his command. And that kind of, that is like the the, the pitch for Am, right? He was a machine. He was an incredibly smart super machine. There were a couple other of them. Uh, and he developed sentience and just kind of, became stronger and stronger but was still always a machine and still got angrier and angrier that he didn't have you know that he was still bound by the limitations that he was created with mm-hmm. so he fucking hates humans <clears throat> do you buy that i think it's really interesting yeah um i don't think the game does a great job of explaining it <laughs> um, yeah but i think after reading the short story i think it's an interesting idea that like it's just cool because it's like, hey, this is this wild, incredibly powerful supercomputer that has become unto a god because it knows everything and can do so much. But also, it's still a computer, and it hates that. It can't do anything about that, so it's angry because it can feel emotion, but it can't do more than what a computer can do. It's just weird because it definitely can because he, yeah. like, makes shit and, like, summons stuff. Um, so... I'm just going to breeze through each of these characters, and I'm going to ask Alex a quick question. It's a very important question. Um, so we have Gorister. Gorister is this kind of like gruff man, what do you want from me kind of thing. Uh, he is haunted by the image of his wife who was taken to an insane asylum, and when the doctor closed the door, she asks, I didn't make too much noise, did I, honey? Gorister has basically taken that real real hard understandably because he must have been shitty to her uh and apparently he wants to kill himself uh but am is preventing that from happening we've got benny benny is a he's been morphed very very hard uh he used to be a handsome masculine military leader um he betrayed many of his comrades and soldiers under him and for that am has turned him into some sort of ape-like creature he has ripped out his vocal cords 
and uh, he is now very Simeon-esque. Yeah, took away um, his ability to think clearly, too. Yes. They make mention of that, but, like, will occasionally give him back certain of those aspects while taking away other things. So, like, in the level that you play as him, he now has the ability to think again, but his legs have been crippled, so he can't use it to, like, try and escape or anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Ellen, the um, only woman in the group, which is, like, highlighted a bunch of times throughout the game and the book. Uh, she is yep. a promising engineer who has claustrophobia and a fear of yellow. We'll talk about that uh, as we go through her individual puzzle. And then we have Nimdok. He's an old doctor who is involved in the concentration camps with a Dr. Mengel and uh, Dr. Mengele. Mengele. Whoops, I put that wrong on there. Uh, <laughs> he is insanely forgetful, and it is either by old age or just straight up denial. Um, Am often like kind of sympathizes with him in the sense is like, yeah, I know, I know where you're coming from because uh, he was a doctor, quote unquote, in Nazi Germany during you know. Uh, concentration camps, etc., things like that. Then last is Ted. Ted is probably the most normal of. Well, Ted and Ted and Ellen are probably like the least affected by Am's mm-hmm. uh, tortures. Uh, he was a con artist, seducing rich women and scamming them for money. He pretty much is <clears throat> shown as being paranoid of being caught, which. I don't really buy that one. They, they like, didn't, he, who really in cares? The game, he's not <laughs> paranoid. I don't yeah. want to make that clear. He's not. Pretty much he's, and I like that he is this in the book, is that he is the witness of all this insanity. Like, they talk a lot about, you know, what it was, what it must be like, especially with Benny, to be insane. And he's the lucky one because he's mm-hmm. already lost his mind. But I still have my mind, and I have to witness all of this. And yeah. I really like that take on Ted. This one kind of stinks. And the Ted in the in the short story is actually a little bit paranoid. You know, he has yeah. an entire paragraph where he's like, everyone hates me because I wasn't ruined. Like, I, they said they were laughing about this, but I know they were all laughing at me. And like, right. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's good. So, Am asks the player, which one of you would like to play my little game? And then you get to pick a character. Alex, why don't you pick a character and then you tell me about it? <laughs> All right. Well, you get first we pick. Okay. You get first pick. Hey, thanks. Um, also, again, to be clear, these characters are not the ones from the short story. They share names and they share some similarities, but no, some of them are very, very different. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just start from the top with Gorister up here, my man Gorister. <sighs> yeah, I know. I started with the tough one. It's good though. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, so I'll walk you through his little game here very quickly because again, I don't want to spend much time on these. Um, no, not so at all. Gorister is basically teleported or dropped into an airship, um, an abandoned Zeppelin. You run around the Zeppelin trying to, you know, solve these various puzzles. Uh, it's kind of been destroyed a little bit, you know, beat up. There's overturned tables, and ruined kitchens, things like that. Um, going through a series of mildly convoluted puzzles, you end up um, finding a way to retrieve your heart from the end of the Zeppelin, um, and then kind of putting it back in your chest, and then you make the Zeppelin crash or land. I guess it doesn't actually crash. Somehow it just gently drifts down and stops right above the ground, um, right in front of an old honky-tonk, kind of like a bar that has your name on it, 
Um, you can walk around in there, look at some things. You go out to the back and speak to a coyote who wants to trade your heart for information, information. about kind of like where to go next and what to do. So you give him your heart and then he tells you to like go to the bathroom and flush the toilet three times and it's really weird. I I will say I'm kind of a sucker for like prophetic coyotes. I don't know why, yeah. man, but it, prophetic coyotes are all right. This, that episode of The Simpsons that had one, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually you do go do that. You find your um, your wife and your stepmother who are hanging on meat hooks and a random meat locker that you're transported to and you can't talk to your wife but your stepmother kind of tries to convince you to take her off the meat hook and when you do she attacks you and kind of assaults you and ends up dropping a key um and then you you know tie your stepmother up. and again some of these are things you don't have to do they're just the ways that you progress to get the best ending for each of these characters mm-hmm. um and so you tie your which stepmother we did up and, which we yeah. like we knew how to do like We've played this game for at least maybe 20 hours, so we did yeah, all we put research. a lot of work in. Yeah, lot we thought about how we could make the best ending happen. We've done yeah. tons of playthroughs, and we definitely I, didn't just look through a walkthrough. No, yeah, I have a, a document with tons of notes that I've typed up called um, mm-hmm. HTTPS dot slash slash game dot com slash. It's an old school adventure game. We used to guide every step of the way. Cause fuck it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you tie your stepmother up, um, and then talk, through talking to your stepdad's ghost, you basically find out that she was the one that was driving your wife insane, and your wife, you know, then your stepmother convinced your stepdad to try and kill you. Um, a lot of real fucked up family stuff going on there. So you, mm-hmm. you know, give your wife some milk and sort of help stabilize her, and then bury her in the back because the coyote tells you to bury your past and like she dies somewhere along the way uh and then you you know again if you're doing a good thing you like steal a heart from a piece of cow meat and give it to the coyote and get your heart back and basically you know this ends with you going back to the zeppelin having buried your past and then flying it away and then stepping out onto the wing of the zeppelin and shooting a small pistol at the honky-tonk blowing up the entire saloon yeah really get so much but um (laughs) That's the kind of real good sort of stuff you can expect from the okay. puzzles in this game. So, so listening to you talk about this, mm-hmm. like it's actually a pretty exciting scenario, but mm-hmm. it does not make an amazing adventure game scenario uh, because of all of this weird like hidden stuff within it, which, you know, obviously, like I said, we won't focus too much on that. But I'm wondering, like, this is something that I've asked way later, but I will ask now anyways. Is like, yeah, w- like, God, do you think this story would be a little bit better in a different form of media? Like, as we, like, hit all these individual things, like, would you, because, like, that was a constant thought I had. as like, God, I'd just rather read this, you know, or, like, watch yeah. a little movie about it. Totally. I, I think, yes, it would be better in a different form of media. Um I mean, it was better as a short story. Uh, For sure. But, like, this version of the story, I think, would be better and not in, like, a point-and-click adventure game constrained by the issues that point-and-click adventure games in the mid-'90s tended to have. Um, I honestly think this would be... This could still be a good point-and-click adventure game if they just got rid of, like, 40% of the convoluted bullshit so that you could actually, like, engage with the story and not be worried about not knowing if you 
fucked up somewhere an hour ago so that you can't finish the scenario. Like, I right. think it's it's not bad. Like, it's all interesting stuff. It's just so there's kind a of weird wrapped up in bad packaging. There's another weird thing I wanted to talk about before I move to our next game here. Is that so? You got a little status in the bottom left of moral barometer. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> barometer. Whoops. No, that's what <laughs> spiritual barometer is what it's called in the guide. Spiritual <laughs> barometer. That's funny. Um, and you also get like you also have a little picture of your character. Mm-hmm. And when you do a thing that's good, your character smiles. However, this doesn't always, like, doing a good thing isn't always something that you should smile about. So, like, you bury your dead wife, and Gorister's just like, yeah, fucking yes. And he's, like, <laughs> smiling, and it plays, like, good music. It is admittedly a little bit <laughs> odd i understand it makes me feel uncomfortable it's not just the idea that you're doing a good thing it's yeah you did something morally good or you like overcame an obstacle yeah but also yeah burying your dead wife and going ha good times is a little (laughs) but hey gorister is a weird fucking dude all right gorister is a weird dude i how do you feel about how did you feel about playing him and his character and, like, his comments on things as he went through? Because he's got a very, like, mm, I, don't give a, I don't give a fuck about this or that or the other thing. But he obviously does have a couple feelings. And did you also feel, like, the connection from the beginning of the game, like, saying she was taken to an insane asylum and she asked you about, did I make too much noise? Did I, honey? Or something like that, like... Did you feel no. it come back out or like, No, not at all. Neither I did I. And it it, it was weird. a good setup, but they didn't they did not deliver on that. Yeah. At all. I feel like his was maybe actually him and Ted were maybe tied for the weakest in like tying their character to the actual arc of their game. Like I I understood maybe what they were going for, but they just shoehorned in so much garbage with like other stuff with his stepdad and his stepmom and like the whole idea of it seemed to be this, like, everybody was kind of overcoming this big thing, and his way of overcoming that was finding out that, like, his stepmom was actually the one that sucked, not him. He's like, yeah. Oh, well, that's, okay, well, that's not really satisfying. Huh. It's no longer my fault. Wonderful. I can <laughs> die now. You know what? That's a gorster-ass way of looking at things. I take it back. It's perfect. Yeah, and that brings up another point I think we'll talk about later, too, is, like, a lot of these characters aren't good people. No. Like, pretty much most none of them. them. Um, yeah, <laughs> Ellen's all right. Ellen's, Ellen's fine. Ellen's fine. Yeah, but um, do we want to talk about their counterpart in the short story as we're going through these, or do we want to talk about them sure. all at the end? Sure, why not? Okay, because um, there's, there's not a ton to talk no, about. No, not really. What I don't really remember too much about Gorister yeah. in the short story. Gorister doesn't like a have shru- as much of a backstory. Um, what? Didn't they call him, like, a shoulder shrugger or something like that? Where he's yeah. just like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I guess. So before Am took them all, he was very, like, he was a pacifist. He was very involved. He was very, like, had strong opinions about things and tried, uh, seemed to be generally a relatively upstanding guy and was nonviolent and very strongly into that idea. And then Am kind of took that away from him and made him not really care that much about everything and kind of just roll with it for the most part, um, which did not seem to be as bad as some of the other people had it but yeah not really (laughs) i some of that i actually think does come through in the game though where he doesn't care but all this shit with his wife going to an insane asylum and his step that's all strictly game none of that's touched on at all yeah story it's it's a little bit too much for the short time we spend with him 
And, like, there's too much stuff to unpack, and they spend too much time talking about other things, and they don't, you know. Like, I don't even really know who his wife is. You know what I mean? And, and that's because she I spends don't know, but she the whole time him. dead. What? <laughs> she forgives him. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> she forgive me. I'm good now. I also uh, don't get the airship. I don't understand. Like, I understand most of what these other places that we'll get to have to do with the character. I don't get the airship. Um... I mean, they were. Uh, yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> yeah, all right, good, 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 good. Yeah. All right, Duncan. Uh, I just have one more thing that I want to ask. Oh you yeah, of course. Is, um, What's up? Which of you would like to play my oh game? fuck no! It's great that we have a built-in transition for this episode. <laughs> yes, that's it normally is. our weak part, but roll right over that. <laughs> um, it's not gonna be as good as when I do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, in in Alex tradition, go from top to bottom here. I'm going to pick Benny. Oh, fuck. We're going top to bottom. I want a Nimdok. Son of a bitch. All right. Go on. <laughs> you, no, 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 no. I, well, I mean, you can pick him next. Oh, good. This good. is All such right. bad audio. Oh, no, my it's God. Good. It's great. Go. Go. It's right, only bad so, audio if you talk about it. Otherwise, it's perfect audio, Duncan. <laughs> you know that. That's the second rule of voice acting. First? Oh, that's I, right. Yeah. 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 That's right. I remember now. Um, so, Benny. Ape man, if you needed a refresher. So Benny finds himself in a jungly, no sky kind of terrain here. Um, so in one section, there are a couple graves where his former, you know, military uh, underlings are buried or. I don't know. What do you call like a coworker, military coworker? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> like, what is that? I mean, they were literally just his sol- the soldiers underneath them. Like, oh, I thought they were a couple that were by him, like on his side. I think okay. they're all. I think they're all underneath him, technically. Yeah. So um, those those soldiers there, they kind of like harass him about what he did in those different points of his life and how you know they're like very much you betrayed me and. And Benny is just, like, wicked focused on food right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally the only thing he wants to talk about. So he just dips. And then uh, he finds a village. And this village um, has a fruit tree, a couple of just, like, fruits sitting around. And if you try and eat the fruit as Benny, you, you just start bleeding out of your mouth. M has made it impossible for Benny to eat. I really, really fucking hated that. Like, yeah. just the, the visual of him trying to eat it and then yelling hurts, well, hurts, hurts while coughing up blood yeah. fucked me up. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of this game worked as a horror game necessarily, but that part definitely did. Yeah. It, what's, what's interesting is, uh, what's you know, we all know good things about horror are the unseen. So many of the horrors in this are, you know, it's supposed to be surreal, so you see a lot of it. But you don't see what's happening inside of Benny's mouth to make Mm -hmm. him, like, cough up blood after he eats a real-ass mango. Like, what? What is the process? I wonder. Like, I don't know. It's disgusting, though. though. Boo! That is our Halloween scare. Do you all enjoy (laughs) thinking about eating a mango and not being able to and got blood in your mouth? Gross. Uh, So, you... (laughs) (laughs) you, There's a bunch of cave holes that you can enter. Um... And eventually, I think you, f- you can just call them caves. I don't think you need to describe them as caves. Well, they're little, they're little like circle holes, you know. <laughs> that you, they're bung, they're. I almost said bungalows. That's not what that is. 
<laughs> condos, you know. Condos. <laughs> yeah. You know, downtown. One bedroom cave condo. Yeah, my one I love to live in a cave. Be I nice. would not. Why not? I like internet and running water. Who and... says you can't get internet and running water in a cave? I feel like it'd be hard. I feel like it would not be easy to do that. And not this these is... not these. Not these one bedroom caves these kids get. Yeah. Kids. So, um, there's a mom and kid that you kind of bond with in a weird way. Uh, the kid has a translator. So, Benny got his vocal cords ripped out, so he can't really speak, nor can he really walk. Uh, I did forget to mention at the beginning of this, he does just tumble down a huge set of stairs. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he feels crippled, yet he, like, walks across the screen like a fucking Olympic champ. Uh <laughs> Anyways, not going to focus on that too hard. And so you talk to this boy and he offers you food. But how he gets food is through regurgitation of his mother, like I guess. Like a baby bird. Like a baby bird. Yeah, uh, so Benny. Up the mango. So Benny is like, God, I'm so hungry. I'll literally do anything. Um, and it's literally all he's focused on. Like this boy has three arms and it's just kind of like, I'm really hungry. <laughs> so <laughs> the mom regurgitates the food into him and he's like, ah, wonderful. Yes. I love it. And they offer him to bed to sleep in. So Benny sleeps in the bed, wakes up the next morning and everyone in the village is gone. And there is a large, cross made of wires and plastic and it's a really visually it's a very cool scene like i really like this this section here um but what's not cool about it is they draw a name every so often when this god am appears and says that they need a sacrifice otherwise am will destroy them all also am has a bunch of just like monitors littered everywhere um so the mother gets drawn and the mother is vaporized by Am. But before that, you can ask the chieftain uh, if you can eat the mother instead. Well, he's just so hungry, Duncan. He's so hungry. Oh, I'll Jesus eat this. hungry. I, Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> Anyways. So so I did you did you see what happens if you click that option? Uh, I, I saved so. the game. I I, I just <laughs> chose sure. not to, but I think I looked it up after or oh yeah, it after. Uh, Am's just like, no, I don't want the mom anymore. Tie that sick fuck up, and then they tie <laughs> you up, and then you die, which is <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I think that's about fair. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the mom gets vaporized, and then the boy. You go back to the boy, and he's kind of devastated, but not really. Like he's actually pretty okay about it. Uh, but you kind of, Benny sees this opportunity to change, uh, you know, his character because he, you know, he wants to be better, I guess. And if that's how you're playing your Benny, maybe. So, uh, he says he will do what he can because, uh, in, in this scenario, the boy is now open to be, uh, in the drawing for the lottery. So you steal the lottery bag from the chieftain and you can either try and hide it in a small hole in the boy's home, which results in a very, very funny 
funny thing because I was like, I'm not going to follow the walkthrough. And I fell asleep. And then you wake up and you go, oh, no, someone took the bag. And I also had a nightmare about it. <laughs> and then the boy is on the cross and it's very sad. Uh, or you can go to the graves, talk to the graves again, and they will hide the bag for you. So they kind of see that you've, you know, you're a little bit of a better person, but you still have a lot of ways to go. Yeah. So finale here of this story. Um, the boy does not want to be selected. Benny does not want the boy to be selected either. Uh, but they're still going to go on with the lottery either way. Uh, so they find a small hole, the same one I hid the lottery bag in, and he, you know, you make a doll for him to make him feel better that he can be in this hole and, you know, he, it's dark and he's scared of it. So you just want to comfort him. And then he gets picked anyways, even because if you of do, course he does, because of course he does, no matter what you do, it's always bad. So you go to the lottery and Benny has the opportunity to let the boy die, which I don't know what happens if you do, or uh, take his place. And if you take his place, they say, eh, yeah, that's fair. And mm-hmm. uh, you die. You get vaporized. Mm-hmm. So there's a meme for this level. <laughs> there's a baby crib in one of the caves. And if you mm-hmm. inspect it, he goes, looks like some sort of primitive baby crib. Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> And just, like, the transition of those thoughts, I wonder, did they, like, did they intend that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think so, obviously, right? Because you you showed this to me earlier, and this is, some people know about this. In the promotional footage for the game, there was a scene where you see Benny's shadow eating a baby, and they Mm -hmm. took it out of the game. I think because they were like, this is actually Oh, shit! That's so funny. I do think that that's maybe an allusion to that, but without knowing that, when you're just going through the game, it's like, baby crib, huh? Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> and you'll say that literally every Jesus, time. Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> it does not matter how many times you click it. He's very hungry. It doesn't matter if you ate the mango like 15 seconds ago. <laughs> Jesus, I'm hungry. Yeah. So... Benny is very, 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 very different in the book. Just, like, different. So, the Benny in the book is uh, aesthetically probably about the same, but... Yeah, uh, still an ape-like creature. They do make a point of mentioning in the book that he has mm -hmm. an enormous penis. Yeah. 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 That they gave him (laughs) genitals fit for a horse, basically. Yeah. And... And that he's much more like a child in the book very like neanderthal plus like he wants to he always like wants to hear the story about how they got trapped in with am and stuff like that it's they committed to the idea that he was um given the intelligence of an ape and like that was Mm -hmm. more like he wasn't this masculine military leader because that makes no fucking sense with his punishment he was like this genius, brilliant scientist who yeah. everybody liked. And then they did that to him to kind of bring him down to that level. Also, in the book, he's very explicitly gay. And, yes. But and, was and changed to not be gay when Am took like took over, which I think kind of feeds into the genitals thing. But it mm-hmm. in the game, they're just like, eh, fuck it. Let's and change everything. They also say, like, in the book that 
um, Benny is has has sex a lot with Ellen, and Ellen likes him because he has that enormous dick. But like, I don't understand exactly what they're trying to go for in there. I think that also. But I think it's stemming from Ted's like paranoia. paranoia. Yeah, that's of what what's happening. Say. So it's it's a weird. It's really interesting, but it's we'll yeah. we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that and maybe some of the weirdness that goes around Ellen's character in both the short story and this. But yeah, that's um so that's Alex, very um, very very do, different. One more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Which one of you would like to play my little game? <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna jump the line here and I'm gonna pick Nimdok. You like motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, what's up? Get fucked. Get fucked. You were planning it so you'd get Nimdok. Nuh uh. Um <laughs> So Nimdok is an old doctor, like we mentioned, involved in concentration camps with Dr. Mengele. I actually did a little bit of reading about Dr. Mengele today at work, which was <laughs> horrifying. Um, oh, he's a real person. Yeah, oh, no, so he is so actually sad. Joseph Mengele is his name, and he was actually a doctor at Nazi concentration camps who did perform human experiments um, and performed some very, very upsetting experiments, including those related to like twins and a lot with children and pregnant women. Oh, and yeah. interestingly, the ties in with this, he did a lot with people who had. Um, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. I think it's heterochromia, having two different colored eyes. Because huh. Nazis were obsessed with Aryans who were, you know, specifically blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, so he would do things like, I, mm, he he did experiments with eyes. It's actually very uncomfortable to even say, so I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's, so that's like a lot of this. Well, that's like, interesting. There is an level. eye experiment in there, but it's yeah. very different. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's um, very much, I think, based on that. Uh, so that, again, that was not just to make everyone uncomfortable, but also... Yeah, it it works. Um, but just to kind of say that they they were using that as kind of a source material for Nimdok's whole thing. So basically, you start in um, like a little camp, a prison camp. Basically, um, you're just teleported back there. You can't really remember what's going on. It's obviously in Nazi Germany. You know, a guard you can talk to basically tells you to go to surgery because you're a doctor and you're apparently a very famous doctor in this area for doing the types of things that Dr. Mengele did in real life. Um, so you go in and find <coughs> a surgery happening with somebody who has, like, their eyes taken out and put into... No, this is the little boy. No, the little boy happens later. The eyes is definitely the first one. I'm pretty sure. Maybe not. Maybe the, maybe the surgery doesn't matter. Be first. I don't remember. There's two surgeries. Um, <laughs> this one, if you go through and follow my guide, I don't know if this is what you had to do, but basically somebody is being treated with ether to keep them like a little bit sedated, and you try to take that ether from the other doctor who was waiting for you, and he's like, "Oh no, don't take the ether." And my guide was like, "Okay, he can't let you take the ether. Pick up the scalpel and stab him with it." And I was like, what? "Whoa, guide." This is not what I expected. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Huh. I didn't do that. Um, it's interesting. Which, hey, whatever. Stabbing Nazis. Cool. I'm down. Yeah, I, I literally um, just walked out, out the door and back in, and the doctor was gone, and I grabbed the ether. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's what I did the first time, but then I talked to the guard too many times, and he shoots you for some fucking reason. Yeah, um, don't understand that one. I don't either. But, yeah, so you um, – there's, like, a boy on the table. There's a guy who has his eyes out on the table. There's a bunch of different surgeries that you can kind of choose to take part in or not, and you can talk to all of them. 
Um, and there's a theme running through this whole thing of trying to find the lost tribe, um, which mm-hmm. all of them... That's what Am wants you to do? Yeah, that's what Am is telling you to do, and everybody that you talk to kind of has a little bit of to say about that, um, all of the different Jewish people that you talk to, and basically you... There's a lot of imagery in this level particularly that I thought was very effective. Um, I don't yeah. know if you felt the same way, but this is, again, this is built to be, you know, a Nazi prisoner camp where human experiments are being done. So there's a lot of that grotesque imagery, and then you, like, go up, and there's a room that's just, like, a bunch of, like, lit ovens. And Nimdok the entire time, like, basically has a grasp of what's going on, but not entirely. And he's this- so, like, he's so oblivious. And, and it's... it. it it almost feels like it's on purpose oblivious. Like he doesn't even want to think about it because he's yeah. had such a long time to think about it. And I think over those years, either through Am or through himself, he's just blocked it out. Mm. I don't really think it's like dementia based or, you know, like forgetfulness. I think there's some of that. I think there's a small amount of like, I'm having trouble piecing things together. Mm-hmm. But just because I think that kind of fits his punishment of like being this scientist doctor and then now not really being able to keep things in your head for very long yeah um, but i do get a lot of the impression that he was trying to keep this out of his mind um but either way for whatever reason it kind of culminates in this idea of you walking around this like horrifying nazi camp and not fully grasping what's going on around you and it's a very unsettling sequence yeah um yeah, so basically after this, you kind of walk around and do a bunch of things in what seems like no particular order whatsoever, and then <laughs> you hear that the prisoners have taken over the camp after, you know, you can talk you to help some of them. them and, yeah, you, you help them out. You clip one dude off of a fence, and the other guy you you talk to, I don't really remember what you do for him. You give him, um, uh, you give him the pliers so he can break the fence. Oh, okay. And then... Um, That's how they escape. Yeah, so then... They, the prisoners confront you basically and tell you like we're not gonna just kill you because you're one of us but also you have to like face your crimes and everything like that and then you're magically teleported to a different area like right outside of a lab yeah. um, where you can see in the background are like some mass graves and there's a wall of like behind you is a wall of what seems kind of like spirits um, just like faces yeah, I think it's just like the like- representation of haunting yeah, and then you, you walk into the lab and see a little bit more about yourself, um, kind of learn more about your experiments and how one of your experiments had to do with, like, I think morphology is what he said. Basically, things being able to change shape and turn into other things, and he mentions that that's probably, you know, his experiments are maybe where Am got some of his abilities to keep them alive for 109 years from. Ah, it's um, so good. I like yeah. that concept so much. Yeah. Like, you were the reason that you are now here forever. Like, because of your experiments and life-prolonging, you know, serums, etc., that's the only reason that you're alive for this long. Yeah. Like, fuck, it's that's really good. good. It's yeah. really good. Um, so you go deeper into that lab and discover um, a little, some other stuff in there. It, one of the big revelations you come to is you, like, find a mirror and look into it and kind of come to the revelation that you uh, you know nimdok was jewish and betrayed his parents by turning them into the nazis before he started working for them they don't really get into too much of why he does that yeah um, but also he's a fucking monster so that's part of it um and also in the lab after you find that out you do um see a golem 
who you go through some steps to revive or not. I actually didn't. Um, Can I tell it, you the solution to get them unlocked? Yeah, go for it. You had to talk. You had to free the prisoner, and then he tells you the secret to do it. You have to tell him a truth, and then you kiss him. It's so weird. Hell so yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a Jew, and I did something terrible in 1945. <laughs> and like, he's there. He's there for you. And okay. What kind so, of password system is that? <laughs> I wonder. Okay. So I don't know how much about this you know, but the golem is actually a very, very famous like Jewish myth. Yeah. Um. So I don't uh, know if in one of the iterations, maybe that's in the one that, that I have make heard. If you that's were not it, but if you were a Nazi German, like, or if you were a Nazi at all, why would you make like the password to a Jewish figure, the like myth around it? You'd well, the golem the in theory would already have existed because it's supposed to have been made a long time ago. Um, it's made in some early time in Prague with some kings and the whole. Again, for listeners who don't know very abbreviated version of it because i've not read the full thing there's a bunch of different variations of it is that um a jewish town was basically being prosecuted or persecuted and people were being killed or attacked by christian neighbors and so they built this golem that would come to life and was indestructible and would listen to anything a jewish person told it to do and it defended the town from them and then you know based on whichever myth you're listening to it goes awry in one number of various different ways or i think in some of them doesn't but that's kind of what this is and i think there's even a variation of it where a nazi finds it in the cellar and tries to kill it and instead kills himself um that sort of stuff i did some reading on this today too because i think that's a really interesting myth hmm. but oh you um, also give have to give them the eyes that you steal from the surgery <laughs> Yeah, that, that part's a little weird, too. I don't love that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's this is the interesting one, because I think you and I both didn't do this one completely, um, because there's actually another section after this golem. Because, like, I, what I did was walk through out to the, like, wall of all the spirits, and you just walk through it, and that's the end of your thing. Nope. And then Am makes a statement about it. But there's, like... Mine was different. Yours was... Okay, so what did you so do? So I, I woke... Didn't... Yeah, I woke the golem, uh, then... I walked upstairs, and my um, Dr. Mangala was there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and then he's like, hey, good shit. You got the golem awake. Like, let's let's rock this thing. And you can pretty much just be like, eh, I got to step outside. Or you can be like, yeah, let's do this. So I obviously huh, said, okay. I'm going to step outside. So I stepped outside, and the um, the Jewish prisoners were there. And so was uh, Dr. Mengele. And pretty much you have the option to tell the golem to either go with the prisoners, like follow the orders of the prisoners, follow the orders of Dr. Mengele, kill Dr. Mengele, or like, uh, I think those were the three options. And I obviously okay. gave it to um, gave it to the, uh, the, the prisoners. prisoners, the prisoners, and um, the golem was ordered by the prisoners to kill me and Dr. Mengele. And then I died. Oh, yeah. Seems totally fair. Honestly, I like that a lot. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a much better ending than mine, where he just pushes through the wall and goes, "I'm falling through the wall." And okay, then, I'm so happy you got to do the voice. <laughs> I didn't want to do the Nimdog voice, just the Nimdog. old, ever so vaguely German voice. <laughs> Nimdog's voice is so bad. It's great. <laughs> he talks really slow. He says, "I am an old doctor." I was involved in the concentration camps? What? 
That's it's a very, very good Nimdok. <laughs> Thank you. I was 1945. Working. There's something about that year. I can't do it half as There's well as you can. There's a mirror at the bottom of z- of the well. If I look into it, I see myself. Oh no! That's God. It. Um, it's so slow. He talks so slow. Talks Thank so God slowly. you can click through dialogue. I die. Yeah. yeah. So that was that's Nimdok's level, which I think is, I mean, that's the best one. It's the best one. It's the one that feels very cohesive. Everything about it fits together. Like the story mm-hmm. makes some amount of sense. It like is based on a lot of mythos and works well, um, while still maintaining that like horrifying realistic quality of taking place in you know a concentration camp basically it's and the surreal nature of like some of the end stuff because i like how they held it a lot of the other ones like they're like surreal right in your fucking face and like this one held it till the very end where uh nimdok finally realized who he was and i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of weird things that am is putting them through these things so they can realize more about themselves and reflect and like Mm -hmm. I mean, the two we've talked about, Gorister didn't learn anything about Gorister himself. Gorister learned that he doesn't suck. That's <laughs> yeah. all he learned. <laughs> Which he still does, though. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Benny learned that he is just hungry and that he can Benny now... learns that, Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> but also he tries to become a better person or something, whatever. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel as impactful as, you know, especially with my ending being like, wow, like, I get it here's the power i know i can never right my wrongs and like just kill me and you know part of that just kill me comes from like i've also been in a computer a computer's (laughs) belly for 109 years but like also it fits because you're like in that moment so yeah and i love the the theming of nimdok works the idea that like he is trying to overcome you know the past atrocities he's committed and everyone is just blatantly telling him like hey you can't fucking make up for what you did. Like, yeah. you did shit that was too awful to ever be okay, no matter what you do. And I think the ending of, like, here, this is the best I can do, still kill me because I deserve it, it fits so well with that. I, it was a genuinely good level. I just wish the puzzles were a little bit less, a little bit more connected. Those ones felt yeah. very disconnected to me. I, I like to... Um uh, Am does in similar fashion what we did like introduce all of the characters very briefly and when he introduces Nimdok he's like you know well while a lot of people think that you're burning in hell like this is actually pretty good setup for you for the shit that you've done like yeah this is right actually where you belong <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is good for you actually probably better than if you were to actually be dead right now and you know concurrence with religious yeah. mythos everybody's like hiding everybody is not hiding everybody is hanging in a box where they're being tortured at the end of their scene and mm-hmm. nimdok is one of the ones that makes sense is like a door closes as he's being burned alive for eternity constantly like, what yeah. the fuck yo it's bad dude it's bad benny's, benny's is just like two knives that if he just laid down he'd be fine and yeah, they're just like constantly like two knives stabbing. that are like, oh, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> yeah. Gorisers uh, is, what is Gor? Oh, like a shocking cage? Yeah, he's being shocked, which also doesn't make a lot of sense. No. I don't, it's like, it's weird, but every time I think about it, I can only think of one thing, 
And that's like, which one of you would like to play my little game? <laughs> Fucking perfect. Oh, God. God, we're really. I feel like I'm. I've. I'm. I'm in a basketball team in high school, and we've both picked a like really strong good kids. And now <laughs> no, we're. No, I picked the... Gorister. We did not pick the strong good kids. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean Benny and Nimdok. Like yeah. you picked Gorister because you felt bad for him, and now <laughs> we're with Ted and Alan, and I just, just... whichever one you don't want to do. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with Ted. Oh, yes. All right. Good. Good. All right. I'm glad we're both happy with that decision. Just because this one's fun and I want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> Fucking Ted. Ted's is, this is going to be rough. I'm okay, sorry. Actually, real quick, I should mention, because we didn't talk about Nimdok comparatively in the short story. Nimdok oh, yeah. has very little in the short story. They don't really talk about his past at all. They just mention that he keeps leaving to go off into the dark to do something that Am is allowing him to do, but it doesn't tell you what. And then, and he, then comes he comes back, like worse off than he was yeah and also he's like really into the idea of this canned food on a mountain and if you read the book you'll learn more about that (laughs) yeah nimdok is the only character that i think works better in the game than in the short story yeah yeah you're right uh so ted this is gonna be a rough one uh we're gonna get through it there's a lot less gonna get through it this the beginning of this is super interesting. So like he's like, there's a dark room and you have to get through the dark room and you know manage through all your paranoia and everything like that. It's it's kind of got a decent intro. You you're dropped to this large like cave within a cave kind of thing uh, with a large path that leads to this octagonal like black fucking spooky building, like very symmetrical kind of building you walk in and there's a bunch of monitors ted comments on all these monitors being parts of his life uh also todd wears a fucking ascot and just like <laughs> get out get out <laughs> yeah like fuck off ted also his whole shit changes so because so spoiler alert duncan and i both skipped the intro when we played this game and didn't uh-huh. realize there was an intro until about mm, maybe five hours before recording where they explain all of the characters' backstories. Uh-huh. So the whole time, Ted's always making comments like, oh, this is unlike the boat where I came from. Or, oh, this <laughs> yeah. reminds me of the Yachty, which is like all bullshit because he's a con artist. But the whole time I was like, get this fucking San Francisco <laughs> rich-ass prick motherfucker. Get him out of here. I'm done yeah. with this rich dude. And it turns out that it's all a fucking facade and I feel like an idiot, but still. Hey, that's how I felt at the time, and I still feel like that. It's your fault. You know what I'm saying? You know, I want to talk about that intro sequence real quick just to, like, get rid of some grievances. Okay. Imagine this. You're playing a game, and it's giving you the two title screens of who developed the game, and then a big text that says, I have no mouth and I must scream comes up, and it stays there for, like, uh, 10 seconds. seconds. Yeah, Yeah. 15 to 10 seconds. You click. You left click. And if you left click once, press space once, doesn't matter. No, are you sure you want to skip this cutscene? It skips right to which one of you would like to play my little game and no context. Absolutely no idea whatsoever (laughs) that there was an intro. It's so easy to skip. Yeah, it's insane. So anyways. Walk us through Ted. Walk us through Ted. All right, I'm I'm no longer hot. I was hot. Now I'm no longer. Uh, There's a bunch of Get hot again. Get hot again. All right. (laughs) There's a bunch of monitors with uh, scenes from his life. If you click on any of them, you die. Any of them but the right one. But the right one. And Am is like, oh, Benny, 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 you. Or Ted, 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 you. You idiot. 
You, you fucking moron. <laughs> fucking moron. Why you can't you pick on the, the right one? one? <laughs> There's literally on the no tire context. swing from your youth instead of the scary <laughs> castle, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what this is about I or how to either. solve it, but you're supposed to click the castle. So you click the castle, and it's a legit castle. There's nothing else to it's that. It's a real fucking castle. And then you there's a couple rooms in here. I'll kind of take them bit by bit. The first one is Ellen's room. That's right. In your game, Ellen is a character, and she is laying on a very comfortable bed, and she feels sick, yeah. and she can't get out of bed. And the only thing that will uh, uh, let her die, I guess... The only thing release her her safe basically yeah is a hand mirror um this hand mirror is also um to be believed to be held captured by her stepmother who is a witch also and poisoned her who poisoned her and also the witch is just apparently very ugly yes that's why she hates the mirror because she's so ugly, and that's why it'll right. keep Ellen safe, because she could just show her stepmother how ugly yes. she is, and presumably she would die. <laughs> I'm, starting to, I'm starting to remember everything now. <laughs> it is literally like the fucking story that Patrick tells Spongebob about the ugly barnacle that was so ugly that everybody died. <laughs> okay, so here's fucking the... Fucking Ted, Jesus. <laughs> Here's uh here's the rest in short. You find a lot of books and you constantly read back to the books to give you all the information. And by read the books, I mean you click on each of the books and you click through the text. Cuz it's not I I've read this one. This is about XYZ. Yeah, 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 yeah. So eventually you hear about a ritual going on in the um in the, one of the secret castles and then you go up and through a sconce, through pulling a sconce, and there's the witch. And mm-hmm. she wants the mirror as well. And you can say, no, I don't have the mirror. And then she then she wants to have sex with you f- for... Everybody a, wants to have sex with you in this. Yeah, everyone wants to have sex with you. And you have to say no, because you're a good Ted and you love Ellen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? Remember that. Remember that going forward. <laughs> but... um eventually you're like no i'd rather kill you like no thank you to which she's not like okay well then i'll just kill you she's like okay see ya <laughs> she just kind of like lets <laughs> well, you then go you should leave sir <laughs> yeah um so then you go to the kitchen where a maid will try and have sex with you and you have to say no to her because she doesn't have the mirror and then you um then read about the oven because it's yeah <laughs> b-tier porno and then- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's I like fix this here oven, little messy. No problem. <laughs> I wasn't gonna talk about the oven. <laughs> Thank well, you. I wanted to because I just put together how it's a bad BTR porno, and I felt like everyone needed to know. <laughs> good, good. Uh, then you read about a sleeping spell. You go up, which is like a comically like it doesn't even sound like a Harry Potter spell. It sounds like a nope. fake spell uh, that like a shitty wizard would use. You also um, don't need to know anything except for the three words, and suddenly you've cast it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, you gotta wiggle your fingers, and you know have to know three <laughs> words. That's as easy as the sleeping spell is. It's uh, very good. And then you put her to sleep. 
Uh, and then you can finish the, uh, there's like a demonic circle under her, and then out comes a demon, which I don't remember his name, but he's a lock-picking demon. He's a door-opening demon, yep. and he will open any stick. door for you, um, but when you summon him, he's like, ah, fuck, now we have to make a deal. <laughs> Shit. Like, he's very <laughs> upset, and like, I thought that was kind of his whole point. But he's very like, oh, no, what did you do? Now we have to make a deal. I love the way you described it because immediately it went to like, what if deal or no deal was hosted by that demon? And like the contestant turned down the deal and instead of Howie Mandel, the demon came out. He's like, oh, fuck. Now we have to make another deal. That's very good. So... So it's um, a good palate cleanser from Nimdok. <laughs> yeah, he um, he offers to have you trade your love for Ellen for a door to the mortal surface world, which is obviously a trap. Um, you can say no, and he's like, "All right, well, there's a little time. There's a lot of people bargaining for this." And I'm like, "I literally know three people in this <laughs> house, so yeah, right." Um, so then. You read more, I guess, and then... I mean, you just tell him, you're like, hey, can you just, like, open yeah. the maid's door instead? Because that yeah. door's locked. And yeah. And he's like, Mugh. yeah, give me give me something. <laughs> give me something. We gotta you make a deal. Blood. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, we got to make a deal. You give him some blood that you, you glass you cut your finger on, and uh, he opens the door to the maiden's chamber. Uh, in between this, you go back to Ellen's room, and there's a devil, like the actual devil... The uh, actual he's, devil. He's wearing like um, a uh, sweater vest that has polka dots on it, and <laughs> the devil has, was the standout character of this whole game. And he's like, "Hey, hey, I'm the devil. What the fuck do you want?" Like, kind of like that. And uh, <laughs> he's got a very good demeanor of like, "Sorry, bub, this is just sort of the deal. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It's raw for both of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for this girl to die so I can take her soul." Yep. And you're like, "Hey, you want to leave and do something?" He's like, "No, no, no. Because as soon as I leave, Angel's gonna swoop in and steal that soul, and I got dibs." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you ask him where the mirror is, and he's like, "Ah." I don't, I don't, I don't really worry about such material things. Which the response was, "You're the devil." Like, isn't like obsession of material things kind of like a sin that you're down with? But anyways, it's a very uh, good devil. Yeah, very good devil. Um, and, and then there's an angel later, and the angel's like, "No, I want to take her soul to heaven," and they're kind of in conflict. That's all you really need to know about the angel. <laughs> He's not fun, or she. I don't no. remember. Um, so. Then you go up to the maiden's room. You see a big, just like, like sixty by eighty inch portrait of the devil holding a mirror, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> well, that's fucking it." Well, <laughs> and then you go back. Figure that one out real good. <laughs> you go back, and uh, you're like, "Okay, devil, hand over that mirror." Does he just give it to you? No, he doesn't actually have it. You find... Oh, yeah, that's right. He says, I've hidden it. Yeah. (laughs) He says, I've hidden it where no angel could ever find it. And it's in the Divine Comedy? Yeah, Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno, yeah. And uh, and there it is. Just in the middle of two of the pages. And you didn't notice, because why would you? It's just a book with a fucking mirror in the middle of it. (laughs) Yeah. You could never have found it. Uh, You go back to the room and trap the the actual devil inside a hand mirror 
Because if he looks at himself, he gets trapped <laughs> because he's the devil? <laughs> because he's know. really into himself. Because he's like, who? Who's that handsome devil? Hey. Hey, what's Real up? Uh? Narcissus type shit. I love it. Yeah. So he gets sucked in. And then... <laughs> so convoluted. Then you bring the devil back to the magic circle. You put the... De- <laughs> I love this scene so, so fucking, fucking much. <laughs> you put the devil back in the circle with the demon who opened the lockup for you. To which I thought, oh, we made our deal. Now you can leave. But apparently he's just there forever now. And uh, you put the devil with him. And God, demon and devil do not like each other. Oh, my God. They just <laughs> talk shit about each other for like five minutes straight. Like, get me the hell out of here. I don't want to spend my out time with... This fucking devil ass idiot. And the devil's like, hey, Bob, I don't know, be cool about it and stuff. Hey, I'm the fuss. <laughs> so, you, uh. Oh, also before that, Ellen died and went to heaven. <laughs> um, <laughs> which sounds important, but I promise it's not. <laughs> yeah, I promise it's not. It doesn't feel relative to Ted at all. Also, it's like. not the real Ellen. I just now learned, like just now learned that ted is in love with ellen but like there was no back for that like there's no reason why he loves ellen like i, I mean i, I think it's fair because she's the only woman he's seen in 109 years <laughs> yeah guess but anyways at any rate uh the lock picking demon opens a uh portal to the surface world and he's like hey bring your hazmat suit because it's fucking awful out there and uh then AM is just like, well, that's enough, enough of that. that. And then he brings you back. So. Ted's is a fucking wild ride. So, how'd you guys feel about that one? That's insane, dude. <laughs> I love Ted's because it's just like, ooh, you're paranoid. Ooh, you're in a castle now. Ooh, there's a devil and an angel and a witch and a sleeping beauty. And you travel yeah. everyone in a mirror and then you break a mirror and nobody gets along and everyone <laughs> wants to fuck you or themselves? I don't know. <laughs> None of it had to do anything with paranoia or, I mean, like, anything. So I read a little bit about um, this. I think I was, like, in a comment section and somebody was saying that, like the idea was that you never knew who to trust because everyone was telling you different things, and also that there are wolves outside that like you can't leave because they're getting closer to the castle or something. But they don't really talk about that one that much. Yeah, they mentioned so, like, the wolves like once or twice. It didn't feel like very paranoia heavy. It just sort of felt like you were in a fucked up Disney story. I, I think in a game that's like as surreal as this with its visuals, they could have done like eighty more things about paranoia. <laughs> Yeah, they could have done any things about paranoia, but they didn't. Yeah, Instead, I think they're just kind of like fuck. Fucking we made the this. Devil in a mirror. <laughs> we made this other adventure game about a castle and a princess, and we just kind of want to put that in there. Is that okay? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's Ted. Um, Ted in the books, like we said, um, different. He's the narrator. He's actually paranoid about things in the book, and he's paranoid because he was the one that wasn't like fucked with basically he was the one that largely stayed the same and wasn't changed from his previous life so now he's scared that everyone hates him for it it's kind of like his big character thing yeah and uh, he makes a good narrator I like a lot of his monologues about every like the situations that are going on like when he just kind of has his breakdowns they're very very good yeah okay um, where do we go from here? 
Which one of you would like to play my little game? Oh wait, there's only one of you. Oh, oh, this is weird. Uh, this do you want to? Do you want to play? Or um, I mean, I guess yeah. Do you want to go? Hey, um... you remember fucking an hour and nine minutes ago when we started this podcast? And we're like, we're just gonna go real quick over each of the stories. Well, I, I, I mean, we are going quick over the stories, but we're talking about yeah, the characters. I, I know. I just looked at the timestamp and I was like, ooh, ooh, mama, I feel like the devil out here. Ouch. <laughs> Oh, boy, we're looking at an hour and a half of recording. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, anyway, I'm hungry, so. though. We better finish fast. I'm so hungry. Can we take a mango break? Sorry. Okay, I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Ellen's uh, story now, um, which is starkly different from Ted's. Yeah, uh, We probably should have ended with Ted's, honestly, because it's just, it's just a good mood one like this. But anyway, Ellen, you are basically transported to a pyramid more or less um mm-hmm. and you are shown images of like am central components in quotes and you are basically told that hey i'm gonna give you a chance to take me down because you were an engineer and you can do it so all of her puzzles for the most part revolve around the color yellow um you know you have like a yellow blindfold that you have to put on like force yourself to pick up which was my least favorite puzzle in the game because it's literally just try to pick it up and she's scared and then you just have to try and pick it up a second time right and fuck that because i her fear her fear of yellow is i i kind of like how they play it off in the very beginning because she's like i'm an interior designer yellow is so ugly and then it like turns out to be an actual fear and paranoia of hers it's like fuck i can't look at this yellow thing fuck 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 so it's kind of a cool way to play that off yeah so you you kind of walk around doing these pyramid themed puzzles trying to get you know a cup so you can drink some water but there's like a cat thing that's not actually there but you see it so you have to put the blindfold on um things like that um and eventually you find some computers and talk to an anubis looking dude and short circuit things so you can get into a sarcophagus which is actually an elevator to take you down to where you saw the central components which is kind of where they reveal the big turn about her character which is as you're going through this computer you know trying to select where you're going you learn a lot about her life i I don't know specifically all of what you learn because i accidentally clicked on the one that Pretty Continues much the story right away. She went to school to be an engineer. Then she found a husband and settled with him. And then he died. And okay. Then you continued your job. All right. Um, so the entire time you're doing this, there's this like yellow pile of rags, and you're like, "Ooh, yellow, spooky, haha!" Right? Crazy. Nothing weird there. Um, <laughs> and then like you select a specific date and it tells you a little more information about the date. And then all the rags come to life to kind of look like a maintenance man, which is where it's revealed that, um, her fear of the color yellow comes from one night when she was at work going down an elevator and a maintenance man wearing yellow came in to the elevator she was in. And then basically, you know, used his keys to stop the elevator and then raped her, which is fucked up. Um, and also, really does make you feel very bad about every time where you're like, God, just get over yellow. Oh, Jesus. Oh, fuck. I am so sorry. I didn't realize how deeply rooted that was. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so messed up. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you fight back against him to kind of metaphorically get over your fear of yellow, which allows you to continue on with the story. You talk to, um, you know, one of the 
counterparts to Am. There was, you know, the Chinese and Russian counterpart talks to you and says that they're trying to find a way to, you know, they're trying to help you find a way to take him down. Um, so you kind of go through a number of puzzles, you know, getting different components and plugging them into things to try and basically find some time to deactivate Am. And there's really not much more that you do here outside of just like getting over your fear of yellow and then getting like a disc to help things self-destruct and then playing it and then am more or less takes you out of it unless i'm forgetting anything there no it was a really short one it It was short and it was anticlimactic like the climax kind of came in the middle when they explained everything that like fucked her up and then a little bit at the end when they're like hey there's supercomputers trying to help you but that you know you may have already known that if you played it in a different order right yeah, Ellen was the very first one I played, so it kind of worked in that way of, like, I, I, I learned the basics from her, and I think that helped me along the way, for sure. But, yeah, yeah her, learned, her session was kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, I thought it was good. It was just, it didn't go on nearly as long. I didn't run into, like, the actual devil anywhere along the way. <laughs> with the with a, with a New York with a quick minute to spare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, um, I know what you're yeah. saying. So that was Ellen's um, differences in the book. She is, or the short story, she's still kind of similar. I think she maybe was still an engineer. I don't remember if they said that for yes. sure. But I think her big thing was that she, in the book specifically, says that before Am corrupted her, she was a virgin twice removed. Um, and now she's become, like, overcome with lust, basically. Um but again, that's one of those things where it's kind of like unreliable narrator because Ted is always talking about Ted's kind of a shitty dude in the book. Always calls her like a slut and talks about how much she loves to fuck Benny. Yeah. Um, but she has sex with all of the guys. But again, I don't know how much of that is like Ted being shitty and how much of that is am corrupting her mind. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird one. She, I don't know, man. The parts with her character just felt uncomfortable in both the book and a little bit in the game. Less so in the game. Not as much in the game, but I think when she was referred to, like, especially in Am's little, like, intro of each of the characters, he's like, oh, come on, it's just pain. Oh, that's sexist or something like that. It's very, like, like, don't go crying like that's. Yeah, that's a sexist trope or something like that. And, and, it's weird, and I don't know. I, I feel like I don't have a... I'm just not the right person to be like, this is the wrong thing to say. <laughs> but, like, it's, I can understand just, a surface level of how uncomfortable yeah. it is. It's uncomfortable and gross, and they really, like... The short story, I think, was almost a little bit worse about it, just because it Definitely. was like, hey... Here's, like, this woman that we put on a pedestal for no other reason than because we all take turns having sex with her, and also that's what we reduced her person down to. And there's one point where, like, she starts crying because Benny's going to do something that might get himself killed, and, like, they hit her back to the ground and say that they don't care about her crying because they all got used to it 86 years ago because that was her only defense. And I was like, this all fucking sucks. I don't I like, mean, like any the of thing this. is the thing is is like one thing the only thing I will say about that and I'm not speaking this as like uh like a woman thing but like if you had to spend the rest of your life with five people like for for 109 years longer than your actual life oh you're going to get so frustrated with all of their little like all of their little things and you're going to know every like single little bit about them I think 
Yes. And I think that is like, well, I think it's rooted in probably sexist thoughts. I think that it's also probably rooted in Jesus Christ. You're <laughs> Jesus. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, I've been with these people for 109 years. Please, like, it's so much. I'm so sick of this person. Totally. I I, I get that. My only two reasons, because like even the whole like she has sex with everybody thing, like that's fine. When they first introduced that, I was like, yeah, all right. It's 109 yeah. years and you're being tortured all the time forever. Everyone's just gonna fuck to try and feel fine. I get that. Yeah. That's not a big deal. It was the way that like that became the only aspect of her character and then also that no other character gets that treatment really yeah like oh i just hate i'm so sick of that but again that's also like some of that is ted sort of projecting all of his paranoia onto people so i don't know that's uh that's all i wanted to say about that let's uh let's get to this end game so we can talk so we can fucking talk. We haven't talked oh, yet. We're only an God. hour and 40 fucking minutes into the podcast. Hey, that's not the actual time. No, yeah, we'll cut 20, 30 minutes out of that easy. Okay, so you are back at your torture stations. Yep. And <laughs> basically all of the characters that helped you between, like, hmm... The people in the grave, I think I heard the voices of. The angel from Ted's story. Uh, maybe the demon from Ted's story? I don't know. There's a bunch of voices there. Um, but mainly, I believe it's the Russian and Chinese um, parts of Am that are speaking to you. They yeah, want... It's unclear to me whether they're totally different supercomputers or not. Yeah. Also. I think... I think because I think what was what was said is that Am absorbed them, but they are also still their own people. Okay. So it's not that, like they can like war against each other, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. Uh, so they want to give them the opportunity to go inside of Am's mind, turn them into binary, and <laughs> they can walk around his mind and do whatever they can to shut him down. Yeah. So this is yeah because Am had to like retreat into himself, so he's not currently torturing you because he doesn't know what happened because none of you reacted to the games in the way he expected you to. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's at his weakest. Be a now. good person for each of them. Yep. Because he he's kind of on his high horse of like computers are better than man and you know all that shit. <laughs> Everyone you make fun of sounds like John Mulaney. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so. This is where it gets a little complex, because you can get one of seven endings, and I'm really only going to talk about two, pretty much. You can get one of seven endings, but you can really get one of three endings. Wait. Wait. I mean, they're all very similar. They are very much the same. So, you go inside of Am's mind, and it's like an actual brain with glass shards in it. Um, it. Depending on the character you pick... AKA, if you don't pick Nimdok, you won't have a way to access essentially what is the main part of, uh, you know, this, this, this part of the game, I guess I'm saying this very poorly, but like the center of the solution you're missing, unless you pick Nimdok, uh, because he knows the password to the terminal, which is 1945. Yeah. I think it does say that like other characters can get it. You just will have to fuck up a few times with them first. And that could result in them getting injured or something. Okay. Got it. So, um, 
the password for the terminal is 1945. And essentially, there's a platform where you meet the Chinese and Russian parts of AM, which are like uh, the Chinese one's a reaper, is depicted as a reaper kind of character. And the Russian one is this giant blue dude who kind of looked like some kind of uh, Hindu god, but not really. It yeah. was confusing the door um, unlocking demons also there for some reason yeah he's just chilling there when you see him when you see him he's like oh shit now we gotta make a deal not again <laughs> oh not again case 27 <laughs> so um they want you uh, excuse me if i get this wrong but to go inside of am's mind and there's three parts of his his main parts of his mind there's the id or just is it just called the id or the id i don't it's remember it's the id id the ego and the super ego um and they want you to just kill one of them i don't remember which one i think the id but also so i think the demon tells you to kill the id and then they tell you to kill just the ego they only want you to get rid of one of them and then come right back to them yeah exactly so you can follow their orders and then if you come back to them you fuck up and we'll talk about that ending there's only really one way to do it right it seems like um, yeah. Oh, and they also reveal to you that on the moon, there is about, uh, like, 200, 350 people still. Closer to 700. But, there, yeah, there's, oh, there's people alive yeah. in a cryogenic sleep, basically, on the moon, because why not? Yeah, and that's, like, they're the last five people on Earth. Oh, wah, 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 wah. crazy. But for some reason, Am still doesn't know about it and fucking whatever. Um, so... <laughs> So you can go to those parts of the mind, and the solution is to destroy all of them. Um, the I don't remember exactly what they're all represented by, but they're all kind of crazy uh, they're all just in the faces ways. On pillars, though. Yeah. yeah, they're all faces on pillars, but they you kind of have conversations with each of them, and in your inventory, you now have like the five things that each of the characters like learned how to feel or do. So like compassion or um one of them is just like information or something like that i don't know um entropy is one that you end up using um Mm -hmm. got a mirror which i don't remember what it's for but the fucking mirror makes it come back because of course it does yep (laughs) gotta have that mirror uh gotta gotta suck up into a mirror uh so you kill all three of them you come back and am is also there yeah, now because now. that's all three parts of him, so it's there. Also, there are these pillars for each of the characters that apparently reduce the damage that you take. Oh yeah, there's damage now. If you fuck up, you take <laughs> damage, which is based on how well you did in your own individual stories. Which like fuck you, game. Like actually yeah. fuck you. Um, yep. <laughs> but so in this point, they kind of want you to follow their orders. They said that they will give you escape. But what they really just want to do is torture all those humans on the moon, send them here, and, uh, you know, do their thing. Uh, But you, being smart, you tell them no. You do whatever you do in this. You invoke the totem of entropy. That's right. I don't know what the fuck that means. You just put your hands in the air and they glow and then a good thing happens. (laughs) Yeah, I don't exactly know what You know, like binary. (laughs) Like binary, exactly. Um... And if you succeed, the character that you picked at that time becomes the supercomputer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the rest of the humans are presumably sent to Earth to live, I guess? So, yeah, they say that the the 300 or 700 or however many humans are on the moon, um, you get a little scene of them talking about how in 300 years the Earth will be terraformed so that they can live on there, and so then they'll be sent back to the Earth, and until that time you're just going to take control of the supercomputer to make sure that nothing bad happens i think it's implied that everyone else dies but i'm not really sure yeah i think it is because like i i think because they give me like this you know this totem is dedicated to the all the other characters they have like a gravestone for them so i guess but it's not really a gravestone it's like yeah it's weird i don't know man uh i don't know but if you fuck up is the more interesting ending on my opinion <laughs> Um, but if you lose, you get a scene of your character as this kind of like long pimple, if you can imagine it. And I would really do you want me to read off the like the story one? Because I think that one's really good. The end of yeah. that. OK, the end on. of the actual short story. Yeah. Uh, so the end in the story, which is extremely similar to uh, the book here is or i mean the game is i am a great soft jelly thing smoothly rounded with no mouth with pulsing white holes filled by fog fog where my eyes used to be rubbery appendages that that once were my arms bolts rounding down into legless humps of soft slippery matter i leave a moist trail where i move blotches of uh, diseased evil gray come and go on my surface as though light is being beamed from within Outwardly, dumbly, I shamble about, a thing that could never have known as human, a thing with worse shape is so alien, a travesty that humanity becomes more obscene for the uh, vague resemblance. Inwardly, alone here, living under the land, under the sea, in the belly of Am, whom we created because our time was badly spent, we must have known unconsciously that he could do it better. At least the four of them are safe at last. And will be will be all the matter for that. It makes me a little happier, and yet Am has won. Simply, he has taken his revenge. I have no mouth, and I must scream. I botched a couple words there, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> but you get, you <laughs> but get you the got general the general gist of it. Yeah. So, in the story, which works out a little bit differently, they've been rused on this plan to go get canned food at the top of this icy mountain they get there and they have no tools to open it uh benny starts a fucking frenzy uh and ted's so hungry he's so jesus i'm hungry uh (laughs) he just starts an absolute frenzy ted joins it and basically like kills all of the characters despite him uh ted realizes them this is their only chance to die uh that am can't bring them back to life he just won't let them die Yep. And so Ted is the last one, and he is, uh, you know, after many years, transformed into this disgusting thing. Mm-hmm. Which, Whew. it works so much better in the short story. Like, I, I'll, yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit, because I do want to talk about that. But I, we should maybe, you know, just focus on the end of the game real quick, the end game there. Yeah. So that <clears throat> those are kind of the endings, right? Either you become the supercomputer, save all the humans, rah, 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 or become a gross jelly thing. There's also another ending where you... Um, kill the supercomputers, but to spite you on their way out, they kill all the humans on the moon. So, like, 
it's still kind of just shitty. You don't become the supercomputer. You know, things really solved. You know. Uh, huh. I didn't did not know about that. Yeah, that the, there's a specific order of you invoke things. I don't know. It's weird. The end game was weird, man. This little thing at the yeah. end was weird because there's so much that just doesn't matter. Like every character has a scene designed right for them, and if you do things correctly, and if you did things correctly before, you summon this pillar, and like it's sort of closure to their story and you lower the damage everyone else takes and that's just like it yeah you can beat the whole game with one per it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all it's a really weird and the interesting thing was is that i was reading about this game you know and like the creation of it and i guess in the kind of like marketing towards it or in interviews the creators were like yeah this is like unbeatable like they were kind of like bragging about that like there was an end in sight but like you could never beat it because you can never figure out the like good ending essentially and like i wonder if that's just like a thought they had because it was before like we knew that it's a bad idea in video games like they're like (laughs) dude what if we made a game where like you actually couldn't beat it like it was just so difficult like the ending was there but it was just so hard you couldn't do it and like only a couple people knew about it. Yeah! Like, I can really so see cool. that as a good idea at the time. And, like, now we know it's a bad idea in a lot of ways. But I think that's kind of some of the inspiration towards the difficulty of the pillars and, like, that kind of being a red herring and, like, the game as a whole and the different options you can get. But I think getting the good ending is, isn't that hard if you no, spend a lot of the time good on it requires three conversations and a little bit of saves coming and that's really it yeah but so it's interesting so that is uh that is i have no mouth that i must scream the, <sighs> the game from 1995 um shit yeah it's been yeah, so man. long i'm so long... hungry <laughs> jesus i'm hungry um <laughs> yeah so I just want to talk. We we ended up talking about a lot of the points that we were going to bring up at the end throughout. So I think that's kind of is why that ran so long. Because you can sum up the whole game in like you know ten minutes if you try. I mean we can't. Sure. We've never been able to do that. No, we really can't. Could. We really can't. If we really wanted to, I could just be like, yeah, you're five people and there's a master computer and you trick him and he dies. <laughs> Or yep. you don't, or he doesn't, or he <laughs> like, doesn't, and you become Jelly Man. It's, look, I don't know. It's weird. But thank you for taking this journey with us. But I do want to talk about a couple things as well, uh, since I kind of mucked up the the rest of that ending. Not mucked up as like did a bad job, but you know did it. Uh, why don't you Why don't you present me? Why don't I play your little game? <laughs> Give me a little game to play. I want to okay. play your game. Um, I let's sticking in the game world before we talk too much in comparison Woo! with um, the short story. Do you just generally speaking, how did the vibe of this game jive with you overall? The like surreal aesthetic. I know we kind of talked about a few specific yeah. points, but just as a whole, do you think it nailed what it was going for? Did anything like really it's work so, for you? It's so hard because I get it. It's 1995. It was a different time. You know what I mean? Like we don't have the kind of prowess to put the graphics and shit we want on a CD-ROM. Like, yeah. it's not possible. 3D model, because a lot of these scenes were 3D rendered and then just, like, put as a 2D image, obviously. And, like, uh, there's a lot of, like, primitives in it, and it's very, like... It's pretty basic, and that's okay in some ways. 
And aesthetic-wise, I think there were certain backgrounds that really worked for me with the warped perspective. Um, I think a lot of the characters didn't really, like... Some of them were good, and, like, Benny kind of looked cool and stuff like that, but a lot of the characters didn't do a lot for me in that realm, but I'm kind of focusing a lot on the, like, looks of it. But... I really want to love this game. It's very much up my alley of, like, theme-wise. Like, I really like the, like, oh, like let's get deep in the psychosis of these characters. And I'm not super, like, yes, I like when the people are tortured. But it's interesting subject to me. And it's always kind of, like, been interesting the stories for me. And I really want to like this in a lot of ways. And for the game, I just... I can't recommend it, and I can't say that I loved it, but Jesus, I want to love it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, I I think I maybe came out of it slightly more positive than you. Um, I yeah. think that there are scenes that worked really well. I think the way that some of the things combine is really clever, um, and I think that there are things in it that are generally disturbing. I think there's just, there's just too much garbage in between. Exactly. The, doesn't work and a lot of it does work and like i i won't say i can't recommend this right if you've got like a friend or two and you want to like fuck around with it and have a guide out with you and just go through the journey like it could be it could be a good time you know if you're gonna play it for a podcast i think there's a decent amount to talk about there oh yeah but it's tons uh, of fun to talk about and like yeah it's silly it wasn't kind of tons of fun to play but if you are gonna play it don't feel bad about using a guide do not it's there's Gorister's Gorister's fucking scenario is impossible I have no <laughs> idea oh also things we didn't mention there's like 800 opportunities to die in this game oh yeah you like, die all the time yeah and like I'm cool with that I like that but at the same time it gets frustrating with save slots and everything like that so. Saving before every decision you make when there's one of eight options you can do to every object in the game and use <laughs> yeah. every yeah it's it's old school adventure style stuff that isn't great so just don't feel bad about using a guide if you but do also go it is it. so much fun like working those out and being like oh my god I know this is the wrong decision but I want to see what happens because I'm sure it's gonna <laughs> be funny like I, I kind of do like that um, yeah and I wish I would have done that a little bit more but I was just getting like frustrated with it because you know. It's that classic, classic Alex and Duncan excuse where we're like, we're on a timeline. We can't have fun with the game. We have to beat it. And, like, I do yep. love beating games because if I did it the old way, I'd never beat it um, or complete it. It feels good to do that. Um, but I I will forever hold this game. Maybe not forever, but I will hold this game in my <laughs> head for a long time as a cool adventure game. If it's yeah. good or not, I know I I don't think so. It's like it's interesting, you know. It's got yeah. it's got a thing it's going for, and I do think it's cool that the author of the short story like consulted on it, so it's not totally divorced from canon or anything like that. It's you know, there's at least a little bit of work that he touched, and also the uh, I can never remember Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. I think um, he voiced Am, which I think is kind of yeah. cool. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are there are cool things about the game. I don't dislike the game. I, just I don't, don't dislike think it, it either. Great. Yeah, I just, I just wish. Cool. I really wish. Cool this game, con- not a good game. Yeah, I really wish this concept. Like, I love the world, and I mean that'll directly connect to probably our next topic is talking about the short stories. Like, 
I love the world that the short story is set in, and I know that the short story could not have been the game, because that'd be a very short game and a very boring game of climbing up to an ice mountain and realizing you have no tool to open up your canned food. Like, that's very boring. <laughs> like, yep. uh, and I like the direction they went with here. It's just, I wish it was just a little bit more updated in its, in its aesthetics and, like, and also just its gameplay in general that I could really enjoy the world because the world is my absolute favorite part. And that's like a lot of the reasons why I love video games is the worlds that they can make and the way you play in them. It's just a really immersive uh, experience for that. So like I have no mouth and I must scream is a world that I want to like, I want more shit in, even though I never, I know it's never, ever, ever going to happen. But like, I'd love to see more things kind of, it doesn't have to be games, just like other pieces of media that could kind of breach that that world. I like it. Yeah, um, I will say, and kind of jumping off here, I, I definitely felt worse about the game before I had read the short story, and I think that's just because it kind of like made it all mesh together in my head a little bit more. Um, yeah. But definitely the short story is very different, right? I think I, I even kind of laughed that the entirety of the short story is them going for that fucking canned food at the end of an icy cave, which is literally a throwaway line that they give Benny, like, two minutes into his thing. He's like, I once tricked me walking miles and miles for a bunch of canned goods, then didn't give me a can opener, that son of a bitch. And, yeah. like, yo, no, that was the whole thing. That was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, and this is something I was thinking about um, after I finished that story, is, like, the idea of the game and the story i think the the biggest difference for me doesn't come necessarily in the characters or the fact that this whole game thing is contrived and made up for the, the actual video game but the idea that like the way that you succeed and the winning scenario and the end scenario for the game is that you find a way to work with these kind of like random deus ex machina other supercomputers that give you an ability to overcome this torture so that you can like ideally save humanity and bring them back to earth and overcome the enemy is so vastly different than the moral of the story which is like literally we took what we could get and i killed people so they wouldn't have to suffer and i'm still going to suffer eternally and that's like the winning scenario like it, it's so interesting to me that for the game they needed to create a scenario where the player can feel good as opposed to the book where they're like hey the best thing you can hope for is actually just to die. Yeah. And like, that's the kind of theming and ideas that I really like from the book. And I think the like bad ending quote unquote in the game is like, that's the best one because in a way it, it, it almost like it really tries to carry that theme with it, whether it succeeds or not, because like, because the, all these characters are separated, you know, you, you don't really see them interacting with each other, so you have no reason to believe that they're attached to each other, except Ted and, um... Uh, Alan. Alan. I almost call her Linda. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not right. Uh, Ted and Alan. And, like, that's pretty much it, but it's really only a one-way street there. Like, the entire time you play as Ellen, she never mentions Ted. So, like, the connection that they have in this short story, whether it's, like, this frustrated like oh, fucking I hate these people or whatever that Ted feels like 
it, it's so in the game it's nothing you know what i mean so when you've kind of made this sacrifice i guess where the rest of them die and you get you know to be this gross jelly thing uh it doesn't feel as powerful as it does in the short story and also i don't even really think the other characters die if you become the jelly thing uh, you know it it's hard to say because they're like they're not in their cage anymore so maybe they die yeah it's, really, it's kind of left pretty ambiguous also the jelly thing is like it's it's still disturbing in the game but I think the reason that it works so well in the short story is, like, Am turns Ted into this jelly thing because it's literally, like, he can still torture him, but Ted can't do anything except for, like, slowly shamble. And so he did it so that Ted couldn't get some random opportunity to kill himself and end the suffering. Yeah. And, like, that's so fucked up. And that's, like, that's kind of the crux of the thing. Like, the short story works. It yeah. works in making you uncomfortable. Like, you get throwaway lines in the game like, Jesus, I'm hungry. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, man, Benny's probably pretty hungry. He didn't have his cornflakes this morning. But then the book is like two pages of talking about the horrors of not having been able to eat for months and the pangs that you constantly feel and the way that it destroys your mind, but you're not allowed to die. And like, it really, f- it actually kind of fucked me up when I read it at work. Like, yeah. I finished it and I was like, I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah, it does a very good job of that. And that's that's the kind of, I don't know, I really like that kind of media. And like you said, once I, and I felt the same way, is once I, after I read the book, I kind of, I tried to shape the game a little bit in that direction yeah. in my head. And it made me enjoy it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that part of it. And I think uh, a lot of what you're talking about is, I mean, you know, people listening probably know, it's just like gamification, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. To make Benny the character that he would have to be from that story, it would just be like, what? How would you even make a point-and-click adventure game out of that? Like, yeah. <laughs> it'd be wild, absolutely. And, like, you have to give all these cheesy lines because you have to have them discovering the puzzle pieces. And, like, it takes mm-hmm. away so much from that horror and that, you know, that down-trudging shit that, like, you know, it's just all bad. So... Uh, I think the game, and we can't, you know, it's that whole, like, what's better, the book or the movie kind of thing. But, like, they're very separate entities, um, but they they try and invoke some of the same feelings. And I think that, for the most part, the book does it better, but also the book doesn't try and do a lot of things that the game does either. Because the game tries to do a lot, (laughs) like, a lot. It it definitely it it overreaches at points, but yeah. yeah, I mean they're they are different things, and they are best taken as different things. Um, and I think there are things to enjoy about each of them. Yeah, <sighs> except the castle, except the, the fucking fuck castle. Was but the there. castle houses the devil, and hey. he's the best character. <laughs> hey, it's been two hours. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you what told me this here? podcast was going to be over in one hour and 30 minutes. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's been so long. I'm so hot. Get me out of here with this <laughs> unlocking demon. Holy Lord, Lord. <laughs> You're really good at that. Hey, thanks. <laughs> hey, thanks. What do, you, what, do, what do you want me to do? I'm a fucking devil. Huh? Uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? I feel like we covered most of the other points that we had, but. We can we can keep going, but we are definitely needing to wrap this up pretty soon. Because okay. Jesus, I'm hungry. Jesus, I'm hungry. Um, you know what? 
I did just want to ask as an overall question, is Am a good AI antagonist? I looked, you know, in the history of, you know, the Wikipedia history, so, like, don't fucking quote mm-hmm. me on this, is, like, the 60s was definitely, like, for short stories about characters with computers in it that were sentient and had thoughts and things like that. Like, it was a pretty fucking high time for that kind of sci-fi. Um, and... I wonder how much influence Am either had on other things or, you know, or was the influence from something else. But I wonder how you felt about him as an antagonist and as well as kind of like his very, very just like he's just a human voice. He's just like a dude where I think a lot of AI voices like, you know, like HAL 9000 or something like that kind of has a little bit more robotic tone to it. Whereas Am has a lot of feeling in his voice and like very gruff and stuff like that. So yeah, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. And I I don't know too much about the history of you know sci-fi at this time. I am looking it up now, and it looks like this was around the time that Asimov was doing uh, at yes. least a decent amount of his writing. And he's obviously one of the most prolific sci-fi writers of all time. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense um i i liked am as an ai antagonist but i think the interesting thing is how far they take that to the other end right because a lot of um other short stories with these ai antagonists and a lot of you know like asimov's and and hell 9000 um they're very like cold and calculative and that's why they're terrifying you know antagonists or these like prolific beings but i like the idea of an ai that like gained sentience because it was built for war and was just angry and like was able to then absorb the emotions of all the humans right and kind of become that thing and become so powerful that it didn't have to make these cold calculations it could just like enforce its will and i like that because it it does that cool thing of like blurring the line between technology and religion in a a really interesting way and Mm -hmm. i i personally really liked it the voice admittedly did turn me off at first but i got used to it pretty quickly and i think it it works for what they're going for i was at first just like whoa that's that's a weird voice they shouldn't let the author voice this thing that's didn't work at all and by the end of like the first scenario i was like oh no actually this works really well this is fine yeah i felt the same way um a lot with with the voice and um as well as him as an antagonist as the whole i think one problem i had with him is just like at a lot of points, I didn't understand what he could and could not do. Yeah. Like, what were his powers? Because so often it felt like I was going behind Am's back, and it's like, I've designed this game for you. You know what I mean? And then he's just, like, dips out of watching you play it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's but... like you find a note that's clearly from the Russian supercomputers, and it's like, oh, I guess Am couldn't see this or hear me read it out loud but then when you talk to him and like talk to the supercomputer it's like he can't hear us now because i turned on the waterfall yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what? yeah it's okay it's very weird for that and and i yeah it's bizarre yeah but yeah i think that's all i really have so i think we can close this sucker yeah. out this puppy so anyway happy halloween everybody happy um, halloween i know this wasn't as spooky I hope you get lots of candy and fill your belly full. Uh, 
was pretty good. Thank you. That was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this was not as spooky as the previous Halloween games we've done with Selma, <laughs> and I think we did. Did we do? We tried to make Doki Doki Literature Club our that other Halloween did, that game. That did not happen on didn't Halloween. Didn't happen on Halloween, so we botched that idea. But, but it that still was counts. another. Yeah, it still counts. counts. And we also played other spooky horror games. And this was not that, but I think it, the aesthetic was definitely very Halloween themed. So, it, so it worked out. as our third Halloween game, I think we have to rank them now. I think we have to rank. So the Halloween games. Yeah, this is not going to be hard. Yeah, I mean Doki Doki throw, goes up top, right? Throw in, throw in um, detention. You got to throw in detention because that was basically that makes a it hard. That so we got difficult. Doki Doki detention, Soma, and I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. We kind of have a theme for our Halloween games, don't we? No, just like Resident Evil or some shit like that. Nah, man, we okay. go deep with it. All right, mine's gonna be Doki up top. Detention second. This is where it gets tough for me. I know you. I know your rank's gonna be Soma than this game. They'll be. They'll be different. Oh really? Mine will probably be different than yours. I'm gonna have to go with this game then, Soma. All right. Uh, but uh, I yeah. love all of these games though. They're all very good. I don't games. want Soma to like be. Even though it's number four, does not mean I like it the you know least. I would definitely go Doki Doki, and then in a close one, I would give it Soma Detention. I have no mouth. Nice. Nice. But again, all of those games are interesting in their own right. Um, yeah. But I think the takeaway is that, you know, at the end of this I Have No Mouth and I'm a Screen episode, I guess we're saying go play Doki Doki Literature Club because <laughs> that's the best <laughs> horror game we've played. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I have no... Uh, poems and uh, never mind. No, nope, don't even nope. try. It's not gonna work. Yeah, um, I mean, I had down on this paper. I have no genitals and I'm a cream. I've got. Yeah, you um, did have that. You did have that one down, I've didn't got, you? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have no uh, tongue and I must ream. Do you think these jokes uh, have been made since the sixties? Yeah, this is the most well-treaded ground we've ever walked. Anyway, that's going to yep. do it for that's this it. Halloween's episode. Uh, if you want to see something really scary, take a look at our iTunes reviews. They're <laughs> as empty as a coffin. Ooh! An empty coffin's not scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's just good. That means they're no as died. empty as a... <sighs> What's empty and scary? A mirror without the devil in it. A mirror without the devil in it. Hey, buddy, I'm in the mirror right now. You can hey, go fuck bud. yourself. Come on, but- I wasn't not in the mirror. I was just over in the bathroom. Come on, why you gotta assume I'm not here? Come on, no object permanence. I swear to God. <laughs> hey, if I'm not in the mirror, I'm not by the girl's bed. I'm in the toilet. Come on. <laughs> All right. So yeah, if you want to leave us an iTunes review, fill up that coffin, make it real spooky, full of spooky reviews. Go for it. Do it. I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, also, we have a Twitter. Thoughts from P1 is our at. You can search for us on Facebook. And you can email us at thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com. If you have game suggestions, questions, things like that, I would like to thank the people who participated in me asking, hey, should I play this game? I have no mouth on my screen or a different game. 
uh, we heavily considered your suggestions, decided to not follow any of them, <laughs> and play the game we wanted to anyways. <laughs> so I hey, hope you're you very satisfied. For games that you want us to play, feel free to let us know, and we'll ignore them and do what we want. <laughs> Good fucking job, social media manager. <laughs> I brought the information to you like a good social media man, and you didn't want to do any of them. You wanted to do this game, and I also I, wanted to do this game. Yeah. You, the other suggestions we did look at, most of them seemed like better horror games. Uh, a lot of them were slightly too long, or we thought would actually be good, like, genuinely good horror games that would scare us. And, and Alex know, is this, a bitch. <clears throat> I'm a big old bitch. And this, you know, this just seemed like something we hadn't done before. Um, rest assured, we're keeping all of those on the docket for the next spooky episode we do, though. For sure. For surezies. Well, without further ado, hey, I gotta be somewhere. I'm, I, I can't be here right now, bud. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself, bud. I'm Jesus, I'm hungry. <laughs> this is not a good closer. <laughs> no, we have a real closer. God, come on, bud. Give him the closer. Come on. Tell him, tell him about the chili. Come on. Hold come on. on. Hold on. I'm burning alive over here. <laughs> I get it because I'm the devil. Hold on. Give me a moment. We can cut this out, but do give me a moment. Oh, God. The chin. God, I need, I need a spooky rhyme for this. That's all the chicken broth. Chicken broth with toth. Coth. Oh, chicken sloth. No. Chicken slop. That's all the chicken slop and the chili slot. No, fuck. No. Oh, no. I hate that one. Something with coffin. That's all Something, the... Uh, what about just like a cauldron? You know? Cauldron. Ooh. <clears throat> That's all the chicken stock and the chili cauldron. Ooh. <laughs> it's a chili <laughs> cauldron now. I'm a witch or a warlock brewing a chili what will it have in it? Chili over here? Oh, man, ah, I'm so yes. hungry. Devil, come Jesus, light my I am chili. Ooh, that sounds Ooh, good. Anyway, I'm yes. waiting over here for this girl to beans. die, though. Yes, beans, chicken stock. The music's playing now, and it's fading. Yes. Oh, oh, man, it's so quiet. Oh, man, yes. I don't know what to do. Oh, no. Oh, no. What the... <laughs> That's a bad ending. <laughs> uh, we'll cut it all out in post. <laughs> Cut the last hour and 15 minutes. Hey, we don't need none of that. <laughs> Done. <laughs>